Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And as always, I'm here with my friend, my colleague, my partner in crime, Ronnie Kurtz. He's an assistant professor of Christian studies. He is the assistant director of marketing. He is the managing editor of For the Church, and he is seventh man on the bench for the Chicago Bulls going into the 2022 season. This is came this, out of left field. This joke's gonna have to, to die. Use one a baseball day. metaphor. It came out of left field that you ended to up. Use a baseball metaphor to explain my basketball, basketball metaphor. Yeah, that you ended up on the bench of the bull. That's, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. There. How you been, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. This semester is just full swing at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, this as we're recording this, it's Thursday. Uh, yeah. I think <laughs> it is Thursday. This and is when I teach. We both have three-hour block classes, right? Yours is a three-hour block class, Yeah, right? yeah, it is. Yeah, so 8 to 11. And yours as well? 8 to 11, yeah. Oh, okay, you yeah, taught this we, morning. We yeah, teach so right across the hall, and then after a oh, three-hour right. lecture, we walk into... And we do another hour and a half, two hours of podcasting. We are just we being are, squeezed out for content. Mm, How's your class going? That's So we are high-capacity leaders, would you say? <laughs> Something like I've that. I've always wondered what that or is. Or silly Somebody leaders. called me that once. I was, on a, I was on a video podcast thing with some guys, and, and, and they were like, Jared, you're a high-capacity leader. What would you? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> like, that's out. news to me. I was like, the question, <laughs> I was like, what even does that mean? Because I've heard that before. Yeah. I've even seen it in job applications, like when I was like looking for jobs or something. Like, we're looking for a high-capacity. I'm like, well, that ain't me. I don't know yeah. where the high-capacity no, leader is. I, I definitely— designate myself as that for sure you are okay mm-hmm. oh i yep. would too i mean you got i just read three titles <laughs> and then if now you're playing for the bulls i mean if you ain't high capacity i don't know what you would be yeah that's I right i think i'm a low capacity leader who really? functions as a high capacity leader. wow that sounds like burnout I, in because a as soon as we're done i'm leaving here and i'm gonna go sit by myself yep. and and read and just be by myself wow. i have to, i have to do that to recuperate yep i'm gonna go so is that to work. i don't think that makes me high capacity uh it's somewhere in there somewhere in yeah. there so yeah. what's your class so we were I, I didn't know we were across the hall did i know that uh well i think we're across the hall i think i saw you walking in i'm, I'm teaching christian doctrine one so okay. doctrine of god trinity scripture creation man and sin no card playing no dancing you do that in there too <laughs> we do not okay that's uh, part two yeah that's right yeah two. christian doctrine two okay whole lot of card playing yeah, yeah. what well, about you what are you teaching no no card playing that's what i'm saying <laughs> it's like baptist doctrine two no no drinking no chewing yeah and no yeah. going with girls that do either of those things that's how it goes i Something think like that that's yeah. right no it's, uh, i have on thursday mornings from the 8 to 11 a.m uh three hour block uh writing for the church so my writing oh, class nice. yeah which is a lot of fun. We do a lot of reading in there. I tell them in, in, on day one, week one, if you don't like reading and writing, first of all, why are you at Midwestern Seminary? <laughs> why are you in a class called writing? Somehow, yeah, if you somehow found yourself in this seminary, despite not liking reading and writing, you are for sure going to hate this class <laughs> because every week you have to read and every week you have to write. You yeah. have to write. So there is a genre assignment that they have to do. You know, we explore different genres of literature. So they read throughout church history different uh, uh, genres. So this morning we were discussing uh, Augustine and Anselm and Bernard of Clairvaux. Wow, okay. So we're talking about devotional literature. Yeah. So we're from the conf- uh, Confessions and uh, Anselm's Prayer to God. and, and the, Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, we're talking about devotional literature. So next week uh, or the week, yeah, next week we'll look at theological and we do sermon and then we do short story and fiction and poetry and different things like that. And then they try their hand. Mm. at those different things. So they have to do an assignment. So they have to write a devotional piece and they have to write a sermon and they have to write a poem and they have to write a short story. And it's a fun class. Yeah, that's really yeah. fun. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but Proslogion, which is Anselm's 
uh, prayer. Yeah. Uh, it's where he, the God is something greater than which nothing can be thought. Yes. Uh, that's where that originates from. It's one of my favorite pieces of theological literature. Mm. Well, uh, I should have had you come in and lead the discussion yeah. on that. You missed yeah. out. Okay. Yeah, I actually read it twice a year, uh, yeah. once in the fall, once in the spring. For my, it's, okay. about, it's only about 45 pages, so it's not super long. Yeah. But almost always it just stirs me up. I'm not a crier, and it yeah. almost always brings me to tears mm. at some point. So yeah. I just, I love it. This is why you're an asset to the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> that's exactly you why. Bring, the proslagion, that's what they needed. an emotional... <laughs> Theology. Hey, um, speaking of emotional theology, okay, I, I don't know what that has to do with. Yeah, I, you couldn't have we're, used classes or studying. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe studying. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm appropriately chastened. I missed the on ramp. So basically, I passed two exits, like, and I'll then take I this one. and then I'm just jumping off <laughs> the median into making the most of your Bible study. You did a great job. Yeah. So I mean. <laughs> This is our opportunity to offer some encouragement to the reader who may be feeling a little sluggish or stunted. Um, they they need some freshening up of their devotional time. They're you know trying to uh, read their Bible every day, have their quiet time, and something's not clicking, or they just need some some extra juice, the mm. the you know, magic dust, so to speak. Um, what are some ideas uh, you know that we might um, offer in terms of encouragement practices, mental or otherwise, that would help people make the most of their Bible study. I'll go first because yeah. it looks like you're scrambling for papers or something. I don't know. Did you <laughs> just, forget we gonna... were talking about this? Or <laughs> no. You're like looking at your notepad you, you like, said, oh my word. You that's... said something and I was going to write it down because I had a thought. Uh, okay. And I picked up my notebook and it ripped in half. Oh man. So... And, and you don't have a pen, I don't see. I th- okay. I thought it was like, oh, this, uh, I need my notes. I don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, start us off. Yeah, I'll start it off, you know, simply by saying the prayer that you engage in as part of your quiet time, your devotional time, ought to spill That's into exactly your study right. of Scripture. Yep. So w- one of the things that you might could do to make more of your Bible study is not see your prayer and Bible reading as two sort of hermetically sealed off components of your time, but as almost even interleaving, interlocking, that you would continue to pray as yes. you're reading, Lord. Help me understand this, first of all. Um, you know, we need the illumination of the Holy Spirit to understand the words that He has breathed out. So, Lord, um, make me more awake if I'm doing this early in the morning. Help me to focus so I don't get distracted. But, Lord, help me understand these words that you have written that I might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Help me to understand this. Of course, Lord, press this into my heart that I might uh, be able to steward what I'm reading towards greater affection for you. Help me to apply it well. Help me to know how to live this out uh, in my everyday life. So just to make sure that you're reading prayerfully is kind of the, yep. the bottom line there, that you don't um, finish your prayer, now go into reading, and approach reading as purely an intellectual exercise, and then wonder, why am I not sensing anything devotionally from this? You need to bring the spirit of prayer yeah. into your Bible reading. That, that was going to be my first one, okay. um, and I want to I highlight something you said. That not sealing them off is so important because I remember even as a young Christian, because I was I was converted later in life, and I think I've said something like this on the podcast before. So if I have, that's great. It'll just be a reminder. But I remember reading Hebrews 6, which is often a difficult chapter for people for other reasons, mm. um, dealing with questions about loss of salvation away. and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. But actually, Hebrews 6, the beginning of it, wrecked me in like the best way possible. And it deals directly with this conversation. So I'm going to read a couple of verses real quick. Okay. This is Hebrews 6, 1. 
it says we don't know who wrote Hebrews or basically anything about Hebrews, who it was written to or what kind of literature it is. We know nothing. Uh, but <laughs> whoever uh, wrote this wrote this. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity. And then he lists the elementary doctrines, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God, of instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So those are the elementary doctrines. Yeah. <laughs> so which everyone's like, oh. If you say so. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I bet. Yeah. So he says, let us leave the elementary doctrines and go on to maturity. And then this clause struck me. And this we will do if God permits. Mm. And I remember reading that before my theology was developed, before I had anything even remotely like a theological method or a reading method of the Bible and thinking, I'm going to take that seriously. And I'm going to beg the Lord to permit me to grow in wisdom and intellectual maturity. Mm. And so I have. And I don't do a lot of things super well, but this is one of the things I'm thankful the Lord has given me consistency in is when I open the word, my first step is to begin in prayer of Lord, this is your revelation. That's about your glory and your person and your gospel. This is all about you from beginning to end. This book is about you. So give me eyes to see you. Give me a heart that can feel you. Give me a spirit that's sensitive to you. Mm. And may you permit me to move on to wisdom and maturity. that's how I start almost every Bible reading. And even just the action of that prayer gets me in the right mood. Uh, I I don't want to make a big deal about mood or whatever, but it just puts me in the right headspace. And so I think starting there is so good, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I think that leads to or can lead to a kind of stalling out or a sense of stalling out is getting into some kind of rut. So you maybe have a particular Bible reading plan and for whatever reason, it's just it's not the right plan for yeah, you. You yeah. you are you know beginning in the Old Testament and you're just plowing through, and really maybe you ought to move over to one of the Gospels and just take a break from you know Leviticus or Deuteronomy for a little while, and read the Gospel of John. You know to vary the kinds of things that you're reading, or if you um, are accustomed to reading very small amounts, you know to say I only read one or two verses and I really just kind of chew and meditate on those things and you're beginning to stall out, maybe start taking in larger yes, passages. Yeah. Um, you know, take bigger gulps and, and um, you know, dwell on those. Long, you know, you obviously can't do the same kind of work, mental or otherwise, as you could in a small passage in one sitting. But it, it can, you know, get you out of a, of a rut and vice versa. If you're used to reading a whole chapter or two chapters or that's what you're doing to get through your Bible reading plan or you're just reading larger passages of Scripture— Maybe vary it up yes. to look at one or two verses at a time and really, you know, chew on that and mm-hmm. and and mull that over. Um, do whatever you can to kind of vary the sort of Bible reading you're doing so that you don't get into some kind of rut where it just feels yeah. like a routine sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's so good. And I think it's important, too, to say this kind of ties back with what we were talking about the first one is, man, sometimes you just got to trust the process. Yeah. And I know that sounds silly, yes. but— Often, what leads you out of spiritual dryness are the spiritual disciplines themselves. Yes. And just by the fact— We talked about that in my class this morning. Let's go. Yeah, hey, and writing for the church. Look at that yeah. tie. How sometimes the will, Mr. Will, yes. is pulling Mr. Hart up That's the hill. That's exactly yes. right. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. sometimes just the process of like, you know what, I am going to sit down and be with the Lord today. Mm. That might invigorate you spiritually. So a couple of things that I do, and uh, listener, get remember, I'm a nerd. So often <laughs> what I do is not— what other folks should do, but I will just, it's just personal and what's helped me. Um, I'm a writer. And so I often best process by writing. And 
So one of the things that I've done is, uh, and I think half of our listeners are going to laugh at this and half of them might think it's silly and maybe one of them will take it up. But I actually write a sonnet for every book of the Bible. Okay. It's, it's silly, but it helps me synthesize what I'm reading. Mm. Sonnets are good because there's structure to them. Yeah. Uh, so I don't spend all day writing a poem that I, that's never going to end. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also, you know, uh, don't spend too much time on this, but I'm what the Enneagram calls a four. Uh, so I, I'm creative. <laughs> um, so I like, I like to think about the Lord in creative ways. Okay. Uh, and so using, taking, so it, it might not be poetry for you, but taking the scripture and build a Sunday school lesson out of them yeah. or, or something like that is really helpful. This is why pastors often feel their best Bible reading is when they're building yeah. sermons. Well, there's a difference between studying and studying to teach. That's right. If you're studying to, to pass this on, you retain more, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not even—I'll probably never share my sonnets with anybody. I'll probably never share I these, gonna, these. I was about to suggest you, you, you probably, if you have 66 of them, <laughs> well, you should publish Well, it's going to be a long process. Okay. I've, right. I think I'm at 13 or 14 at this point. Okay. So. All right. Um, but yeah, it makes me read carefully, really yeah. slowly, saying, I want to draw that out in the mm. sonnet, you know. Um, so even though I'll probably never pass them on to anyone, maybe my daughter or my wife or something, it just helped me. Another way is recruiting someone who I trust to guide me through a book. And so the this summer I finished, it was long, so I'll say that, but I finished Augustine's commentary on the Psalms, and mm. I just walked through the Psalms with Augustine, and wow. it was amazing. It stirred my mm. soul so much. And then this fall, I'm doing John with Aquinas. And so Aquinas has a multi-volume commentary on John. Yeah. I'm just going to read through John very, very slowly. And while I read those passages, I'm also going to recruit Aquinas to walk through John with me. And that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. I thought so. we weren't supposed to read Aquinas anymore. <laughs> you should always read Aquinas. Okay. All right. Somebody <laughs> said that somewhere. That's good. Um, I, I think sort of, so if I had to make a central point about Bible study and what revolutionized my Bible study years ago um, that I, I think has revolutionized others is to look for Christ in the yeah. text. Amen. That part of understanding the text, yes, there is the, the plain reading, the immediate audience, all, all the right you know, means of, of understanding a text of Scripture, but understanding the text in, in its Christological sense, seeing Christ in the Scriptures, is part of understanding the text of Scripture. Jesus himself said this in, in, uh, um, in the Gospel of Luke and on the road to Emmaus, um, beginning with the Law and Prophets, he revealed everything about himself to his disciples. So he's there in that Old Testament, making sure you see, and even in, in, in New Testament passages, if you're you know, reading through the epistles, you get beyond those opening first two chapters that have most of sort of the gospel momentum in them or the proclamation in them, and now you're wading into more of the practical matters. Don't forget those first two chapters. Remember to put what you're reading, the practicality, the, in, the imperatives, put, to put them in the context of the indicatives, put them in the context of the gospel. Yep. Look for Christ in the text. This, this transformed the way that I studied the Bible, you know, uh, 15 years ago, or however long ago it was, where I began to um, see with new eyes and fresh eyes. And if you believe, as I do, that the way we become more like Jesus is by seeing his glory, then we for sure are going to want to see his yeah. glory in the text. And we, and we want our Bible reading to make us more like Christ. Well, so that means I'm reading the Bible not just for some sort of inspiration or certainly you know, more than to just check off my religious duty you know, you know, you know, tally list for the day, or even to become smarter or to become a you know, more knowledgeable theologian. Those are all good things in their proper proportion, but mainly I'm reading the Bible to become more like Jesus. Amen. That's, That's right. the whole point, yep. become more like Christ. 
And so to become more like Christ, I have to see Christ. And that means even if I'm Leviticus and Deuteronomy or Judges or wherever, I'm looking, how does this proclaim Christ to me? How is he here? How, how is he evident from his absence? How, I mean, all the different angles, and, and there's lots of different techniques you can use. Read some good works of, of biblical theology. Read Goldsworthy and Credanus and, and, and Sinclair Ferguson and, and, and who else? Golden Gate. I mean, who else is out there? John Owen. Yeah, John Owen. Read folks that will help you see Christ in all of Scripture. This, I think, is um, you know, the linchpin yep. for um, juicing up <laughs> I love it. Your, yeah. your, your Bible reading. Um, because it'll make you come to the text with fresh eyes. You'll even see texts that are somewhat familiar. This is what happened to me. It's like, I mean, I, I mean I've been reading this Bible since I was a little kid. And certainly I, I you know, encounter texts that I hadn't encountered before, or I may see new things there because that's how the Bible is. It's living and active. But at the same time, I'd never been taught to see Christ in all yeah. of Scripture, yeah. to see him as the point of all of Scripture. So when that clicked for me, now even familiar passages felt new and yes. fresh and like, unexplored territory, yeah. and it just is like, oh, I, I can't wait I to so, get into the Bible now. I so love that vision because one of the worries that I have with the last piece of advice that I gave is that you use the Bible or you think of the Bible as just a utilitarian thing. Yeah. Like this is something to be used for Sunday school or for sermon prep or whatever it may be, for poetry writing if you're a nerd. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not. It, often I think we are too pragmatic in mm. how we think about just about anything, but especially Bible reading. Like what if I want to come to the Bible just to see God. Like, can't that be enough? Like, yeah. I want to behold God and in beholding him be transformed from one degree of glory to another. And I think that helps to even keep in mind as you're reading, keep in mind what the Bible is. Mm. Uh, often, I think we forget, we ask, what should we do with the Bible before yeah. we ask, what is this thing? And when you ask, what is this thing? You're confronted with the reality that this is divine speech. Like this book is God's word. Yes. And the speech has a speaker. And that speaker is God himself. And even keeping that in mind and asking, how does that impact what I'm doing here? Well, what you're doing is not some small little act. It's acts of doxology. You're reading the speech of this particular speaker. And it will actually, what we call the ontology or the being of the Bible, will impact the function or how you read the Bible. And so keep in mind that this is God's speech, and we're going to use it to contemplate God and just sit in awe of him mm. is a helpful way to view the Scripture. Absolutely. George Herbert, great British poet, he said, the Bible is heaven laid flat. Amen. You open that book, and it's like opening up a window or a portrait into the other world. We have a vision of the reality of the, of the higher plane, Love the it. other world. Um, I like to say, I mean, what you just said, you know, amen to everything you just said. When I open that book, I want to remind myself, or I, I look at a passage of Scripture, I want to remind myself, this is a burning bush moment. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm hearing from God when I open this book. Even if I can't make sense of it, even if it seems confusing to me, if I don't understand it, but even if I do, especially if I'm running ahead thinking, oh, I understand, They're like, I've, I've mastered this, you know, I think, no, this is God speaking to me. I need to slow down. Yes. Yeah. I need to take off my shoes and contemplate what is here and really dwell on what is being said and mull it around in my, in, in my mind that I might treasure it in my heart to see it as, as every time you open the book, God is speaking. And if we thought of it like that, so we're talking about making the most of your Bible study, but even those who have trouble just opening the book, to think of it like, okay, you might not understand everything you read. Yep. Um, that should be you know understandable. We're human people with finite brains. We're not always going to understand every single thing perfectly, but 
to understand that that when you open the book, God is speaking to you, shouldn't that increase our eagerness? We all want to hear from God. All you got to do is open that book, mm. and he's speaking right to you. Anything else, That's Ronnie great. Kurtz? That's a great place to end. Yeah, that is a great place to end. I hope that this has helped, uh, helped you. My aim even with this episode is I thought maybe this might be a kind of a standalone episode where pastors and ministry leaders who listen to the podcast might would say, hey, to people in their church, yeah. listen to this episode. Yeah. You may not listen to the whole podcast, but you know, listen to this episode. Uh, if you want some pointers or tips, and maybe it'll be recommended. So I'll add that to my, you know, my little concluding uh, parting thoughts here. Um, you know, if you want to share the podcast with friends, give us a good review on iTunes and Spotify. Maybe recommend this episode on Facebook, Twitter, in your church newsletter, your church blog post. I don't want to tell you what to do. I'm not the boss of you, but, you know, <laughs> maybe at some point you could say this episode could be helpful to yeah. my people. And yeah. so you could you, you could share us around. Good deal. Yeah. Ronnie, I hope the next season for the Bulls is good. Hey, you know, I'm going to try hard. One. I'm going to put my heart into it. Well, if you got your head out of the books a little bit. <laughs> That's hard. You know, I, I bring the, the I, I bring emotional proslogion to them. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And that's an incalculable resource for <laughs> a team like, that. like yeah. that. Listener, until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.